0: Hello and welcome to Around the Outside, the podcast for the Formula One fanatic with me, Chris Moss, and my good friend, Jake
1: Peach. Ah, you're so kind. Thank you for stopping by and getting involved with the podcast. Don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss a new episode. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search Around the Outside Podcast on Facebook and we're at ato podcast underscore on Twitter and Instagram.
0: In this week's episode, we are having a look at the latest news in Formula One and all the other formulas that have happened within the last week. Also, a little later on, we'll be speaking to our special guest for this week, the 2020 F1 Esports champion,
1: Jarno Otmir. We'll be chatting to Jarno very shortly, but let's take a look at what's been happening within the last week in the world of Formula 1 and its sister competitions.
0: So this week was the first race of five in a newly commissioned Extreme E series big names and even bigger rivalries took to the desert to compete in this new form of racing, with the likes of Lewis Hamilton, Nico Rosberg and Jensen Button all forming teams to compete, with the latter also driving in his own team. Jake. With this being a very different kind of series and needing a variety of different skills to be at the top, how did you think the first race went?
1: I thought it was very interesting to see a, yeah, a completely new racing series. That we, I guess the most recent racing series that's had quite a lot of attention is, is uh, Formula E. Um, and we all knew that when we kind of first took to that, it was quite a lot to take in with all like the fan boost and the different rules and how the how the cars were built and all that. And I think there's an element of that with Extreme E. There's lots of different processes and and like the way you get to the final, the grand final, how they qualify, um, the rules within all of that. Um, So I found it... A little bit confusing but like the racing was really good and they've got obviously as you say got some really big names got um sebastian Lobin there we've got carlos Sainz uh, junior's dad obviously carlos Sainz, um racing in it as well we've got um uh, jamie chadwick as well who's regarded as um one of the top female racing drivers possibly to to get to formula one in the next few years racing in the w series as well so it's great to see that kind of grid um and but some of the accidents as well were really um really quite r- worrying and um you, you felt a little bit kind of uh, panicked for the drivers because it's not like there's a circuit around around them with marshals within a, f- a foot of each other it, they're in like a middle of a you know a desert in, in sand dunes so um yeah you you felt a little bit for the drivers and thankfully everyone was okay um and some some people had to be looked looked over of course but everyone was fine in the end but yeah just that kind of thing made me a bit nervous in terms of safety but um, yeah the racing was great but um you had a bit of a different view you said to me didn't you sort of thought that once someone was in the lead that was kind of it
0: (laughs) yeah i mean the the first part of the weekend uh on on the way to like the semi-finals and that it's very much like a time trial You, you know you set a lap and then you're up there and then like that's it you literally race against the clock which is all cool and it's a bit like how qualifying is in formula one but then once you've got three cars racing against each other, as soon as one car's ahead, mm. you got dust and the others all have to pull back because they can't see. Yeah, blocking so their view. It very much yeah. is a race up until the first corner and whoever's in the lead after the first corner has won the race. And I, I don't know, say, obviously it's the first race. I don't know if it will work on other areas because obviously they, they've got an Arctic uh, track they're going to and a few other different areas. Um, surfaces that they're going to uh, across the five races so hopefully it won't be the same for every race um but i think the, the best thing about the, this whole racing scene is one, one is e-racing so it's energy safe you know that they're saving energy as well as racing but also it's the fact that they've got 50 50 grid split nine girls nine boys all racing you know and it's great to see and it's the first racing of any kind that is very much integrated that is 50 50 which is great to see
1: yeah well, and, and of course um it's it's i think the the series is, is making a lot of statements is it, with all these you know commitments they're making with the, with the um 50 50 diversity split which is great and again promoting more female drivers into sort of top tiers of of motor racing um it's fully electric which is great of course and we're seeing a lot of a lot of racing series coming out now that are going to be fully electric because I guess that's the future we're obviously seeing a lot of hybrid cars on the road and some fully electric so it's again it's another racing series to drive that sort of research and development for real life as well because let's face it Formula One has been there for that kind of thing in the past as well and probably you know given a lot of improvements to to cars road cars that me and you drive each day so um, and sort of fuel efficiency that kind of thing um so it's a, re- yeah, it's a really exciting series and there's a lots of um, big names in it to attract the attention to the sport. But yeah, it's the first race. Maybe they need to iron out some a couple of things to make the racing a bit more understandable, a bit more exciting. But I guess, you know, when you look at Formula One, it's only because we've been following it for years that we understand all the rules with that you know there's drs in in there there's all the different parts of the engine and the components of that um the rules about certain things like speeding in the pit lane and and, you know if you don't if you haven't watched much of the sport you're not really going to feel like you know it that well so there's kind of an element of that, I think, isn't there really?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, say they definitely have a uh, speeding in the pit lane, even though it's not a pit lane, but they have a speeding <laughs> rule to which per kilometre f- over the speed limit you go, you get a five second penalty to which I think mean, one team got over 160 seconds. Um, mad. uh due, due to a faulty pit limiter. But um <laughs> yeah, it it was, it was a good race like to, to watch. And um yeah, and obviously the, the rivalry, especially between Hamilton and Rosberg, they just can't seem to get mm. away from each other. Even now into no. this new form of racing, they're they're still there at the top of the game.
1: And with this kind of series, I can very much see the people that I we saw Jensen Button racing for literally his own team. Um, but I can very much see Hamilton and Rosberg coming in for like a guest, as like for one race perhaps to sort of try it out and um put their skills to the test, and that could be a big attraction in maybe the next few years
0: oh god could you imagine them going into into the first <laughs> corner trying to battle for the lead and then the other, the other driver go it's a duel takes... in the desert
1: but of a different kind <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um so yeah no very exciting to see extremely around um in other news this week mercedes have announced new technical director james allison who's been quite the um well the engineer as much sort of an equal to adrian new in the rebel days james allison has been very much a pioneer for the mercedes team in the last few years and their dominance um he's taken a step back from the day-to-day role to become a new chief technical officer um which is sort of bringing back some of his responsibilities but i'm sure he'll still have very much of an influence on the team
0: yeah absolutely and uh you know james Allison, you know Coming from Ferrari back in the end of 2016 into the Mercedes team for 2017. And, uh, yeah, without him, who knows where the Mercedes team would be. Probably not as uh, seven times world champions. But uh, talking about Ferrari, uh, they've uh, given Charles Leclerc a very special gift uh, this week. Uh, His race winning SF90 from the 2019 season to where he won his first race at Spa and also uh, the, the mm. Scuderia's home race at Monza.
1: Yeah, which was, um, well, much, much the only thing you can probably point out in the last few years of of, of, of joy for the team. Um, but I imagine imagine literally that car turning up and you, just, you can now keep that car in your home, just casually just sitting in your living room. There's a Ferrari Formula oh, One car I mean, just there. It's just like, it's mad. I, I
0: think it's Eddie racer's dream is to have a well an F one car, but to have a Ferrari and a Ferrari that you've won in. Mm. I mean, you know, very very special car for sure.
1: It's not like he can just drive through his lounge wall though and take it for a spin. Uh, so it uh, doesn't have. An I mean, worst back. case
0: he could. All- <laughs> Worst case, he could also just set it up for his uh, Twitch gaming and ha- be in yeah. the cockpit while driving. Could be like um, a
1: made a made uh, simulator, I and mean, he would feel like he's definitely at home. Then, um, maybe <laughs> you want to take the Halo off though, because it blocks his vision, doesn't it? Um, no need <laughs> yeah. for that. Um, Zach Brown has also hinted as well. Zach Brown, obviously being McLaren um, CEO, he's hinted Russell and Verstappen could be at Mercedes by the end of this year in 2022 for next season. How likely a rumor do you think this is, or do you very much think that it's Zach Brown throwing his penny into the into the pot as such?
0: I mean, I think Verstappen leaving Red Bull, especially when Red Bull arguably got the strongest car right now, is uh, is a bit far off. But um, I I I definitely see George Russell potentially being in that car for next season, hundred percent. Um, and say if Russell and Verstappen became teammates, and Hamilton retired at the end of the season, and Valtteri moved to a different team, then that that would be a very very interesting rivalry for the future.
1: If 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 Verstappen does does leave to go to Mercedes for twenty twenty two, I know he has a long term contract with Red Bull. What how would that maybe change the balance of the grid uh, going forward after especially after 2022 and and beyond into and you know, in the next few years after that, would be a massive move, wouldn't it?
0: It would. It would be a move very similar to like when Alonso left Renault to go to McLaren, and mm. Schumacher retired to so and went to Ferrari. It'd be that sort of kind of move. The same with when Vettel left Red Bull for Ferrari as well. Um, it's very much Red Bull then having to try and find someone to replace Max. Mm. And who is that? I mean, that? they've struck well at the minute, who knows that they're struggling to find someone just to try and compete with Max. Obviously <laughs> after the first race, Peris did a fantastic job to get the car back up to fifth from being in the pit lane. Mm. Uh, but you know, they've got Yuki Tsunoda who looks absolutely amazing. And Helmut Marcos even said he, he looks mm. very, very, very good for the future. So, but you know, they, they have a thing of promoting drivers that potentially are not fully ready to be in that alpha team mm. to, to so you know he might just need a couple of seasons. I mean, Max, he he was in that Toro Rosso for like a season and a half before he yeah, got not very in Spain. long, <laughs> but but he he then came in and won his first race. Yeah, so. Spain,
1: yeah, it was. Just, I remember that race, and that was like, oh my god, yeah. this guy means business. Here he is, yeah, Max Verstappen, here to stay. Um, and,
0: um but yeah, he, he just. I think they need somebody. I think if Checo stays, then that 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 would be you know a good thing for them but mm. they need a second quality driver and I'd, I'd say at the minute it's, it's a very big battle at AlphaTauri for, between Pierre Gasly and mm.
1: Sonoda mm. yeah very much so it'd be so interesting to see how that plays out this season really looking forward to seeing that battle um, absolutely Miami GP for 2022 has been surfacing as a rumour this, uh, this week um, how cool would that be racing in the sunshine of course we have uh, a race around Long Beach which I guess you could kind of Draw comparison to, but uh, this would be a little bit different.
0: It would be. Uh, obviously, we had rumors of a Miami Grand Prix a few years ago for it, uh, for it to be not happening. Um, but mm. obviously, this week the, the city council do have a crucial vote, and if it is passed, then you know the Miami Dolphins could see their stadium be driven around by some of the fastest drivers in the world, and you know, <laughs> obviously with into Miami being around there as well Miami's becoming a bit of a global hub for sport and you know Mm. obviously we've got Cota in America already but America's big enough I'd say to have two races I mean we had Germany having two races Mm. for quite a long time Spain as well with the European Grand Prix with Valencia
1: Uh, Mm -hmm, I don't
0: see why we couldn't have two American Grand Prix.
1: it's quite interesting to see Formula One sort of really diversifying their sort of portfolio of circuits at the moment isn't it we've got obviously vietnam didn't happen but that was gonna that was gonna take place we've got saudi arabia coming this year and then miami possibly for next year um it's really exciting actually time for to be an international formula one fan
0: absolutely and you know i mean obviously at the minute we haven't got exactly much travel going on but you know Mm. it's going to be great as well for locals uh, you know, obviously Miami is quite big enough anyway, but could you imagine getting, you know, 150,000 to 300,000 extra people in Miami for a weekend? Mm. You know, the, mm. the, the local trade is going to absolutely soar. Um, and that, that's that's some of the good things about Formula One. You know, they, they help out local mm. businesses by having fans come there. Obviously, some of the busier names are going to be busy. So, you know, it's it's, it's beneficial for you know local economy but mm. obviously well,
1: the... can you Go
0: i was just gonna say it's um it's also like uh, the, the thing i think why it didn't get passed in the first time was that the locals weren't overly huge fans of it
1: but now that now they believe but it's the power of fumble one isn't it You know, um, helping loads of communities around the world and um, bringing investment. Uh, It's one of the tracks I'm sad not to see anymore. Is the track in um, in India around around in Delhi, um, which Vettel won his. Um, Title at when he did the f- the famous uh, burnout on the home straight, but um, yeah, it's um, it's good to see Formula One you know doing what it does best and going around the world. Looking back now at the UK, Silverstone's one of the many organisations that have backed the idea of COVID passports to get capacity crowd for this season's British Grand Prix. Chris, you're meant to be going to that uh, in a couple months' time. Um, what do you make of the idea? Do you think it's going to be feasible to have a capacity crowd from going from everyone being indoors all of a sudden?
0: I mean, it's, it's going to take a bit of time, but I think it could potentially work. I mean, as far as we know, from the 21st of June in the UK, you can go from having, I don't know, 12,000 people in a stadium to 90,000 in Wembley on the 22nd. So <laughs> it, it, in terms of that, yes, it's very much feasible, but it's very much down to whether people that have got tickets for the British Grand Prix have, have, have been vaccinated if you need to have a COVID uh, passport and two if, if mm. people want to risk being around say another 140,000 people i mean say most yeah. of us haven't been around more than six people within the last year so to go from six to 140,000 is a bit of a difference um but i think as long as people are safe um say people have, you know even had the vaccines beforehand and or know that they've not definitely got it and they've had tests to confirm they've not got it i don't see why it would be potentially an issue i mean we did see last year sergio perez as he was uh coming to the british grand prix mm. he did end up having COVID, and obviously uh, nico hockenberg came in to step in his place um so you know it is very much going to be a touch and go issue for the british grand prix if we're gonna a have fans might be that we don't have fans at all, you know, it, it, mm. or you know, it could go to the next extreme and be a capacity crowd. I mean, I, I'd love yeah. to obviously be able to go this year, uh, obviously not being able to go last year, but you know, if, if for safety reasons we don't get to go this year, I, I wouldn't be too disappointed.
1: No, and of course, there's most likely only going to be domestic fans, there's not going to be any um f- foreign fans coming over from europe or, or america or, or wherever which of course formula one being a very uh, global sport it's just going to be fans from the uk so in that respect there might be less people coming
0: yeah i, I know silverstone um they they've i think they've offered something like ten thousand tickets um like key workers of the uk so like nhs workers and uh, any mm. key workers that have worked throughout the pandemic which is a great um, sign of support from from the organization to uh, get as many people that have you know mm. risked their own lives throughout the pandemic to to give them a little bit of a reward i know uh, i think wembley did yeah. the same for some uh, nurses back in uh, a little while ago to give them like, a, a taste of what games alike and I say it was only a few few crowd but you know it's something giving back to people who have given us you know what we've got in our lives in the minute
1: yeah very much so very well deserved and uh, hopefully they can you know have a good day and, and and put all the all the trouble and and the pain behind them that they've had to endure throughout the this whole pandemic you mentioned you just before that uh Anika Holkenberg um was in for Sergio Perez last year um, he has now joined Aston Martin as their reserve driver for this season, um, stepped into the Racing Point team three times due to positive tests last season, and uh, looks to be there again if the issue arises. Um, Nick Hogelberg seems to be creeping his way back onto the grid ever so slightly um, throughout these very weird times, and um, again, if he is needed again and performs well... A lot of people can question why he's not on the grid again, because he's a great driver.
0: He is, and he performed very well. You know, he was out for, you know, a good part of nine months when he left the sport in the end of 2019. Until then Mm. coming, say, obviously not being able to race in the first uh, British Grand Prix. But when he came for the 70th anniversary, you know, he he had problem after problem, but he he still ended up coming through and scoring points you know it was yeah. a great drive from nico there and then he did the same again in germany when lance stroll couldn't race got got the points and you know proves that you can't take the racer out of the guy you know fantastic driver <laughs> still still yet to get on that podium which you know i hope he does although
1: the dreaded record yeah
0: um, but i i feel that you know, he, he he won't probably get it this season with that Aston Martin car it, it doesn't seem like it's there at this mm. stage in time with your second mm. place prediction
1: <laughs> let's not mention too much about that uh, right that's all of the uh, the goss and news for this week um, let's now hop on to Zoom for our second guest of Around the Outside podcast Jarno Otmir Okay, it's the time of the podcast this week where we welcome our guest Yano Opmeer, uh, Formula One esports champion. Uh, welcome, Yano. How are you doing?
2: Yeah, thank you, thank you, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm doing not too bad. Uh, currently, we're a little bit out of Formula One esports season, so we're just doing some fun races at the moment. So yeah.
1: Yeah, which is quite nice. See, the, the heat is the heat is off at the moment.
2: Uh, yeah, well, we did do a Formula E, uh, mm-hmm. a Formula E championship uh, in the past few weeks. Uh, finish it off quite nicely so uh, yeah but currently we're just waiting uh, until the new f1 game comes out and then we start practicing on that again well um jano many people know you
1: for racing in esports in recent years and seeing your videos on youtube many people would have seen for maybe formula uh, formula 1 2020 game and and giving people tips and doing these crazy challenges Um, but they might not know that you raced competitively when you were younger right tell us about how you got into racing and the background behind that
2: uh, yeah, basically, I started carding at the age of four, um, and then uh, I did that until I was 15. Uh, moved on to single-seaters, uh, started off with Formula 4, then went on to Formula Renault. Um, I got picked up by the Renault Academy uh, back then in 2017, 2016. And, uh, well, that's how I rolled into eSports eventually as well, um, through Renault. And then um, after my first year, I finished Ford, and then moved on to Alfa Romeo last year, uh, won and uh, now I'm with uh, with the champions. So
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. So does karting run in your family? Like, how did you uh, pick up karting so young?
2: Uh yeah. So my grandfather, my uncle, and my dad used to do some go karting. Uh, my uncle did it on quite high level, uh, raced against uh, Fisichella, Verstappen, um, those kind of guys. So um, yeah, it was running quite already in the family. Uh, My dad continues to be a mechanic in karting as well over the years. So uh, he always stayed in the sport and that's how I got into it as well.
0: So obviously you got into racing young. Did you have anyone that sort of inspired you? Obviously at the minute a lot of Dutch racers have got Max Verstappen to follow and get inspired by. Did you have anyone that you sort of latched onto as your inspiration?
2: Uh, well, I grew up in, um, uh, well, Schumacher stopped in 2006, of course, but I grew up in the Schumacher, Alonso, and Hamilton era. So, um, yeah, it was amazing to watch those guys, of course, especially like a in Brazil 2008. Um, mm-hmm. If you're watching that as a kid live, then that's just uh, incredible, of course. So, um, yeah, those uh, I think mainly those three people are, are the ones that, uh, that I watched growing up. And then, of course, when Vettel started dominating as well. Um, fighting against Alonso again. So, uh, yeah, I think those guys uh, is that I followed the most um, when I was young.
1: Uh, Have you been surprised then to see how esports has grown the way it has? I guess when when you went into esports with Renault um, it was starting to become quite, a, you know, a commercial thing and something that was a bit more um, viable as a career. But I guess before that, we kind of saw it in sort of amateur ways where, um, you know, we would do sort of these unofficial racing leagues behind the Formula One game. But now they've kind of all integrated that in into it. Um, yeah, how, how have you been? How have you been surprised to see that grow? And and sort of your opinion of where it, where it's at now.
2: Um... Yeah, it it has grown, of course, really fast. I think the virtual GP that started last year uh, boosted it massively um, because a lot of the real drivers got into it and uh, well, the real drivers have a lot of fans, of course. So that's really helped uh, in my opinion. And um, yeah, and then of course, 2018 was a real first season of F1 Esports. Um, So yeah, it's still all quite new. Um, So Mm -hmm. I expect it to grow more and more, of course, as this last year was the third year with teams so, yeah, uh, I think once the the fans or the people that really watch it get more into uh, the esports drivers as well, like follow them around, then it gets uh, bigger and bigger eventually.
0: So this year you did say you're you're with the uh, current champions of uh, Formula One. How much sort of time dedication do you put into spending time on the game to
2: become the esports champion? Um, currently I have 920 hours on the F1 2020 game. I think <laughs> <That's> uh, ridiculous. <laughs> it, it came out in July last year, if oh, I yeah. remember correct. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's around on average, if you look at it, uh, or calculate it, so I think just over three hours per day. Um, I think the year before in the esports season, I did way more, but, um, yeah, there's a certain point where I felt like it just didn't help to drive more. So, um, I took a little bit of a step back driving wise, uh, and started to look around on what I can prove um, Mm. outside of just driving laps. And I think that really helped. So yeah, I think around three hours per day is uh, something that I felt like was a really nice sweet spot.
1: I know that we, me and Chris, we can spend hours on the Formula One game trying to hit a time on the time trial. And we just like, we get so close and we do one part of the lap brilliantly. And then the last part of the lap, we mess up and we go wide. And then we're like, no, I would have beaten that guy. Um, do you guys get that kind of thing as well when you're obviously, I know it's very competitive qualifying, but when you're practicing as well, you just want to do do it like a
2: perfect lap? uh yeah of course you want to do that and often especially in the first uh day or second day of, of practicing a certain track um i think like oh that was such a good lap that was almost perfect and then you go on two three months later and you're going two three times faster than that you're like okay that was not a perfect lap at all no um so yeah that's always surprising um also often practicing a, a track for the first day um at some point you just can't get the lap together anymore and then you just have to stop after two or three hours and mm. uh, try again the next day uh when uh your brain has finished processing
0: everything <laughs> so you've been very fortunate sort of with covid happening in the last year you've had a chance to race with the likes of max lando on uh virtual racing games H- have you enjoyed being able to race with these kind of drivers
2: um yeah it's it's nice to um to raise them in like a, a not the GP or the virtual GP, um, but of course um, for us it's still the main aim is to, to or win that for esports. Um, so that's the most important thing, and especially I think at the start of this year, uh, most of the drivers were quite busy, still at the factory and uh, a lot of other stuff. So I think twenty nineteen was really, um, was I the correct no, start of twenty twenty was the peak of the virtual GP. Mm. Um, as uh, a lot of the drivers had nothing to do anyway, yeah. so a lot of them could join. <laughs> um, and I think at the start of this year, that was a little bit different. But um, still, um, someone like George did spend quite a lot of time still uh, practicing. Mm. Uh, even joined us um, after the virtue GP to do some practice with us because he wanted to get better. Um, and he was he was quite good. Uh, quite good at it, to be honest.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, it's it's mad. Because like you were saying, you, you're now t- taking less time away from driving so much a day. But then, having done such a competitive race, I know it's only for fun, but it does take a lot of concentration to do like a proper Grand Prix for like you know that that length of distance as well. And then they want to practice anyway. I mean, is this kind of like between me and Chris and yourself and other drivers? Is this what kind of separates the likes of us and you guys from doing esports and actually driving you know on the track?
2: Um, yeah, uh, th- there's a difference for us, especially like. Um doing very dedicated practice or just doing open lobbies um, because I don't mind doing some open lobbies for fun. It doesn't really take a lot of concentration or not as much Mm. as uh, esports practice, of course, because then we're really focusing on, okay, what can we do better? What can we improve the setup with? And um, yeah, just doing open lobbies, uh, avoiding crushing people. It's uh, (laughs) a little bit different, of course.
1: (laughs) What was your, um, can you remember the first racing game you ever played and when the first time you played Formula One game was?
2: Um, yeah, it wasn't PlayStation 1, but I was so young I cannot remember uh, what the title was. I think it was like F1 2002 or three or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, I was too young to remember. I was like two or three years old, so I <laughs> cannot remember properly what it was. Um, and then the first one I do remember uh, was Rich Racer 7 or something on the PlayStation 3 when it just yeah. came out. Um so, yeah, and then I've uh, one 2006 Championship Edition, of course. And from mm-hmm. there on, I basically bought uh, every game, yeah. 2010, 11, 12, 13. Very much yeah.
1: like us. Um, and on, on that point with the games, obviously they improved massively over the last few years. How, well, You've had, obviously, the pleasure of, of driving in F4 and, and competing in real life. How accurate do you think these F1 games are now in terms of capturing the contours of the track, the undulation and all that kind of
2: thing? Um. Well, in 2015, I think F1 or the F1 game was basically rock bottom. It was ne- it had never been so bad mm-hmm. uh, on t- in 2015. And then uh, the years after, they started improving, which was good. And I think uh, ever since then, um, the game has become better. I think there's still a lot to improve, uh, to be honest. Um, I think something that's really important is the tracks are not quite accurate. Um, setups are not completely realistic. But at the same time, in my opinion... Uh, the handling has improved a lot, in mm. the, uh, especially for 2020. So I'm quite happy with that. Uh, still, some things to improve, of course. But well, um, no, none of the racing games are perfect uh, no. at, at this at this <laughs> point in time. So still a lot to improve. Um, I think I posted on Twitter uh, not too long yeah, ago sure. uh, a list a list uh, of things I would like to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah.
0: And we've seen before with uh, things like the Nissan GT Academy. Uh, drivers have gone from sim to real life racing. Uh, we've seen it before with uh, Brendan Lee, who won the first ever uh, eSports season. He got the chance to go back and, and race in single seaters. If you got the opportunity to race uh, in single seaters again, would you take the opportunity and get back into back on track action?
2: Um, yeah, I would take the the chance, um, but uh, at the same time, um, I wouldn't really like to do just one race because. Uh, mm. Yeah, if I want to do something, I want to do it. Go 100% for it and not uh, take a half-half chance uh, because it doesn't really look good on you. Of course, if you just jump in for um, one mid-season Formula Three race when everyone has done already half a season, mm-hmm. uh, it's you don't really make a good chance uh, uh, if you do that. I did it in 2018 once uh, where I was like five or six kilo overweight, one week uh, prior notice, uh, jumping in. Um, and it didn't went too bad, actually, but well, um, even if you finish like P10 or P11, people are like, oh, he isn't that good when you haven't been driving for more than a year. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if I uh, get a chance, I want to do a full season and commit 100% to it and not mm-hmm. uh, uh, take some half chance, basically.
1: And and now you're with Mercedes. Um, I haven't been with Alfa Romeo and, and Renault before that. There are obviously different opportunities with all these different teams. What What's the biggest change from when you're going from one team to another now as so you're now with Mercedes and is it um you know just just switching teams and that's that sort of on the on the game and, and that kind of thing or is there a lot more involved with that kind
2: of thing um yeah if you switch teams uh every team has of course a different approach uh to doing things uh Mercedes is a lot more involved uh, last year I was basically almost only working with Voloche um mm-hmm. But this year, uh, Mercedes is a lot more involved, especially on the technical side. Um, I think they're doing a lot more. Um, we still have to see, of course, once the game come out, how Mercedes approach different things. But um, yeah, it is quite a bit different. Um, being going from Renault to Alpha Mercedes, they all were taking completely different approaches. Hmm. So. Um, uh, it takes some time to get used to, but uh, I think uh, in league race already, we, me and Dani uh, Moreno showed that we're doing quite well at the moment. So we're looking to do better once the new game comes out.
1: And then obviously you being on the esports side, and this again, this is a fairly new phenomenon for lots of teams. Is there that opportunity there for you to work alongside the main team on simulator stuff and more that that kind of thing and working on improving the car for them possibly? Is that how it's kind of working?
2: Uh, that will be nice at the moment. Uh, I've not been to mm. uh, Brackley yet as uh, COVID is uh, uh, withstanding me from doing that. So mm. um, yeah, I haven't been there yet. Um, also really haven't talked about uh, doing uh, real simulator stuff. Mm. Um, so not sure about that yet. But um, yeah, once uh, COVID is gone, we can yeah. look into uh, different things. So uh, for now, we're just focusing fully on uh, f sports. Sure.
0: Obviously, with uh, the season already starting up, with Bahrain already gone, is there any sort of races that you'd be interested in going to visit? Obviously, you've got Zandvoort for the first time this year, hopefully going ahead. Is there a race that you particularly want to go to?
2: Uh, yeah, Zandvoort will be really cool, of course. Um, I think it's like the 16th race or something, something like that. It's quite late in the season, I think so. Um, so yeah, I hope it will be some good weather because if it's too late, then uh, it will be very windy and rainy. So I hope um, there will be some good weather and then uh, I hope I can visit as well, of course. Uh, I think Silverstone is usually a very nice one to go to as well. So um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see how um, COVID plans everything. <laughs>
1: And which driver are you backing this season? I know you've got a certain um, T-shirt on right now, but um, who, who are you backing <laughs> to do well this year?
2: Um, to be honest, uh, I'm a little bit of a fan of uh, of Yuki. Um, mm. I saw him drive in Formula 2, of course. Uh, I was quite impressed with him last season in Formula 2. Um, and then I also saw him in testing um, on, on F1 TV. I could see him drive there, and I was quite impressed with uh, looking on board with him. Uh, how he was uh, driving, so um, yeah, I'm already really impressed by him. So, looking to uh, follow Yuki closely around as well.
1: Is it? And is there any like tips you can take from re- watching real life drivers, it, like and, and take it into the game? I don't know because there's a certain there's a certain method I think on the game than there would be in real life. It's slightly different mechanics, isn't it? But is there anything you can take away from what you watch on the TV?
2: Um, just from watching onboards, I don't think so, but uh, sometimes you hear uh, some technical analysis from um, some engineers or the commentators, and then sometimes you can pick something out, um, maybe once per 10 races, you'll actually uh, get something that maybe helps in the game as well, but um, yeah, other than that, just from watching onboards, you can't really get anything, as it's quite a lot different, of course, mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, and, and and just a final question. Thank you very much
1: for coming on the podcast, Jano. We appreciate your time. Um, what what's what are you looking forward to most working with Mercedes this year? Obviously, you want to win the the the, the, the championship and retain that. Um, what's kind of some of the work you're going to be doing to try and make that happen
2: this year? Uh, really, the technical side. To be honest, uh, last year, um, basically me and my teammates, Danny Bresne, at the time, uh, really didn't have any. Uh, technical support. So I really hope we can push forward on, on that one. Um, and uh, I think it will be quite a big step forward if we can uh, figure some things out. So um, yeah, I really hope um, we can make some big steps with that.
1: And hoping to have the final, I guess, in in uh, in the GFINTEA arena again?
2: I, I really don't know um, what's going to happen with that. So uh, we just have to wait and see. But, uh, I think it will be tough because different countries have different mm. rules and uh, vaccinations going on. So, um, yeah, we just have to wait and see how that's uh, going to go.
1: Amazing. Uh, Yano! thanks very much for joining us on Around the Outside.
2: Thank yeah, you, thank you. Luck. Thank you as well.
1: So once again, we want to thank Yano
0: very much for coming on and uh, being interviewed for, by us. Uh, We hope he has a very successful 2021 esports season and hopefully can retain his title that he won last year with the Mercedes team.
1: Yeah, very best of luck to Yano in uh, the next eSports series. Uh, looking forward to see him try and retain his title. Uh, ESports uh, very much fast becoming uh, an addiction of mine because it can be very competitive, not even more competitive perhaps than actual real-life Formula 1 because obviously they can take less risks. And uh do you enjoy watching the eSports races, Chris? I think I've, I've really enjoyed watching some of them over the last uh, few months
0: yeah it's, it's definitely something interesting to watch especially like if you've got like a race break uh and you've got nothing else uh, it's just fun you know e- even just going on the game and just having a few laps yourself just to mm. refresh yourself as to what racing is
1: yeah and we can all relate to it because we play the game so much as well so we try and get half as good as yano anyway um, which probably won't ever happen um but yeah great to talk to yano on this week's uh podcast if you uh missed any of the the episode you can rewind right back now and listen to uh, the interview again um, but next week here on the podcast on Around the Outside we're going to be building up to Imola the next race on the F1 calendar uh, a strong performance last time out from Alpha Tauri they'll probably be looking to capitalise on a, a fairly good start in Bahrain with Yuki Tsunoda and Gasly be looking to put that one behind him and probably see a Mercedes versus Rebel fight um, there once again if Max Verstappen's tyres can stay intact this year um, for this Grand Prix uh, join us next week here on around the outside it's been jake and chris for this episode we'll see you soon take care